Welcome to Random Gaming Toolkits Entertainment Talks podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew. Joining me today, my co-host is Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing today? Doing good. Yep, doing all right. Uh, what you been playing in the last week or so? Uh, well, on the group server that we're doing Valheim with, we took down the uh, final boss. Very anticlimactic because in the game you can tame uh, most of the wildlife. So there's boars, deer wolves and locks which are these giant woolly mammoth kind of looking things but without the the horns and the uh tusks and the um wolves that you train actually will fight by your side and one of the guys that's on the server just either has way too much time on his hands or no let's just face it he's got way too much time on his hands (laughs) so he tamed and had a trained army of 50 wolves um so we went into that last fight and it took about 12 seconds. Huh. Yeah, so this is like the the big, the hardest of the big bad. All kinds of stats and buffs and whatnot, and we ended it in literally less than 20 seconds. <laughs> it was just like, big chunk of health down, big chunk of health down, big chunk of health down. Uh, so I'm going to take a pause from that game just because the Hearth and Home uh, update's coming out soon, so I want to you know get a little break from that. A couple of big games hit on Game Pass, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, Destroy All Humans is on there. I started playing that. I've forgotten how funny that game is with its weird retro 50s vibe. Mm. And uh, Dragon Quest Builder just went live on uh, the service before we started recording. So after we're done, I'm going to have to get download that and get started on that. Cool. Is that the uh, remastered version of Destroy All Humans? I don't know it doesn't specifically say remastered but it looks really really good so it might just be the insane magic you know that is the microsoft engineer team that can up res old games mastering them which is one of their strengths that microsoft has for backwards compatibility because it doesn't look as dated and jank as it does for like some of the older games because they do figure out a way to improve it on the back end without actually doing a remaster oh okay cool uh is that any any good Did yeah it's yeah like i said the destroy all humans it's a very funny kind of 50s era sci-fi thing but it's taken from the perspective of the aliens and not the humans so it's got got differences to it okay cool do you think i would like it hard telling i mean we play such different games because you're always on the FIFA and you're always on Last of Us. And this is more kind of like a campy, kitschy kind of a game to where, you know, you get upgrades by after the humans you take out, you suck out their brains. Um, and that's how you get points for upgrades and things like that. I mean, it's funny. It's goofy. Um, you know, whether or not you would like it is just kind of a 50-50. You either will or you won't. So Okay, cool. Uh, so I've been uh, continuing playing uh, Oddworld Soulstorm. Uh, something interesting happened on Sunday, where because um, I'd mentioned the week, be- uh, which would have been last week's podcast, that I only really played the game for like an hour or an hour and a half because it gets kind of like stressful <laughs> and that sort of thing. I ended up playing it for like three hours straight on uh, Sunday. Um, it got to a few points in the game where. Um, you could like modify what was it uh what was the thing that you could modify again um my brain's being an idiot right what what's that thing called that you put fires out with fire fire extinguisher um 
you could like modify a fire extinguisher and turn it into like a flamethrower. Um, again, I don't think is it that that even that's something that's too sort of like left field for for Oddworld. If if I'm ever if I'm playing Oddworld and at one point it says, "Hey, you've got an RPG or an AK-47," then I might start to question like you know uh, what Abe is capable of finding, I suppose. But um, for the most part, it's just sort of been with, with the whole um, uh, crafting system. It's been sort of like put together whatever scrap Abe can find and you can make weapons out of it and it doesn't feel too ridiculous it doesn't feel like um like it's breaking the game or or anything like that um and again you never you never really get too much of anything uh in fact in certain situations you don't quite get enough of certain supplies but that means you've got to use them better um and it was interesting because I kind of, for this like little section that lasted about six enemies, uh, I was jumping between these different platforms and like burning them with this um, flamethrower that, that he kind of modified and stuff from a fire extinguisher. And uh, in terms of the animation of that as well, because that's something I kind of look out for in games, you kind of like burn the enemies and they sort of ran off and fell off the, the platforms. I thought that was quite funny. Uh, you can also do kind of the same thing with... Um, there's these little uh, sort of um, pop cans or whatever they're called in the game. Sort of like Pepsi cans, basically. And you can put this little thing in them to where it will kind of explode. And then you get a thing later on where Abe does something with, like, chewing gum. I think it was chewing gum. And, like, tape or, or something like that. To where you can essentially make it like a sticky bomb. And if you throw them at enemies, they kind of run off and scream and stuff and, and blow up. So it's it's still maintaining itself within you know the world that it is and like i said if a if abe ever picks up if i loot a bin and it says hey you've got an ak-47 i'm going to start wondering kind of what's going on but um but yeah i mean the, the only time you get to use an actual like gun in the game is if you possess one of the slicks but that's always been a feature anyway of uh all of the games so at least the main abe games anyway there's there's some of the other ones but no i just got into a really really good rhythm of, of playing it i thought you know what i'm in a good mood with it it's not stressful it's kind of like more on the maybe it was just like a particular fun section that i did and uh i just kept playing and playing so that was that was pretty fun um there's also the all these like climbing sections that I did that had all these like saw blades and stuff and that was pretty fun to sort of dodge and avoid. Um and then there was this other bit where I had like a bunch of Madukans with me. Um and like tried to get them to run with me past various different like saw blades. There, there was this whole massive area that I did that had loads of like saw blades and all all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, which again sort of fit in with the, the world of um of Oddworld. Uh but I the more and more I play it the more and more I'm continuing to enjoy it. Now and again I do get like weird bugs and glitches and stuff, but nothing that sort of like is game breaking or, or anything. So yeah, but uh I don't know how long I've got left of the game. It's lasted quite a while, but um I did get to a fairly important cutscene uh yesterday, so the story did sort of progress as well, which was which was good. And now I'm in sort of a new area. Um so that's been that's been pretty cool. Um what else did I have I been playing? Uh played some more COD, you know, usual kind of stuff with that. Um I'm trying to get um there's this uh attachment thing that you can get for the shotguns. Now it only applies to I think it's the model six eight zero, not the seven two five. Uh it might be with one of the other guns as well, but that's sort of like the main one that people use with with that. Uh which is called like Dragon Breath, which is basically you can modify your the ammo on your gun. Um 
to where it can shoot fire out and like if you sort of catch an enemy with it and it just damages them because they're still on fire they'll you'll keep getting hit markers and it'll kill them eventually so i've gotten some uh pretty cool kills out of that so that's been good um so i do i do have the dragon breath thing with it but there's like an upgraded version to it now what you have to do to get that is what was it called i think it was called an optics uh scout optics class which is like a, a particular um scope for the shotgun um, and I have to get three long range kills in three games with that. I haven't quite managed to do it, but it's been an interesting kind of sort of challenge. Uh, but trying to get long shot kills with the shotgun itself is quite difficult. So I've had to put some like uh, different barrels and stuff, like a sort of longer barrels and all these kind of other things. I basically try to equip the gun with everything that I've got that's got that makes it longer range, um, which has made my movement a bit slower. But again, it's all kind of part of the challenge. So. Uh, any thoughts on any of those things that I mentioned? Yeah, I mean, that, that game I don't really play a whole lot, so half of what you said is just words that I know what they are, but I don't know their meaning in terms of that relevant game. Um, but it's one of those things that that's kind of how they keep players invested in it, is mm -hmm. just coming up with new ways for that. So Yeah, which, by the way, this Dragon Breath thing that I'm going for, I could go into the store and just buy it, but I don't want to do that because I want to unlock it normally, because that's part of the challenge. Because um, let's be honest, if you go and... And this doesn't apply to like everyone necessarily. This is just my kind of opinion on, on the situation. If you're trying to unlock something for a gun, and therefore need to you know play the game to progress with it, and unlock it, and then feel rewarded, if you just go and plunk down a bunch of money for it, and that could be like you know $2, it could be 10 it could be 20 whatever, um you're kind of just like buy, buying your progression, which I've not got any problem if people want to do that. You can do whatever you want with with your, with your money, I suppose. Uh, but for me, I want to, you know, go into cyber attack games and, and actually try and do that. So um, one day I'll, I'll unlock it, but uh, for now I've just got to keep, uh, keep, keep trying with that. So, and there's also, there's also like this, um, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called a Ritex sniper rifle and that can shoot like, uh, that can shoot sort of um, like thermite rounds, which is which is quite cool. I've seen people use it; it's really quite deadly. But I think that might be the next one I'm going to try and uh, go for. So, but I don't know what the challenge is for that that's listed. So, uh, that's pretty much what I've been playing. Um, let's get into some housekeeping. We'll see you for that in a minute. Hi there, and thanks very much for listening. Today I'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links. The first of which is our Amazon affiliate link. That's where you can shop on Amazon. We can get a small cut of what you spend, but it won't cost you anything extra. So whether you're get, getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both, depending on the occasion, we can get a small cut of what you spend, but it won't cost you extra. You can find the link to our Amazon affiliate link in your show notes. The second affiliate link for today is our Kualu affiliate link. If you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice, you can simply sign up with Kualu using the link in the show notes. They also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well. So if you need help with getting set up, Kualu will be able to help you with that as well. The links for both of these can be found in your show notes for Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link. If you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. 
and you can get your ad free podcasts over there it's a great way to support us on entertainment talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad free podcasts you can also support entertainment talk on patreon at the three dollar level tier this gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favorite tv show or film but it's one per month so one tv show or film review per month it's up to you which one you want to choose we will watch a few episodes of the tv show that you choose or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film and we will review that for you on that month and then when it gets to the next month you can request a new tv show or a film review of your choice that's three dollar level tier that does also of course include your ad free podcasts for the month as well thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show Alright, recently on Entertainment Talk, let me scroll down the website, uh, did a podcast, whoops, I clicked on the wrong thing, there we go, uh, did a podcast today talking about uh, Arsenal Football Club, uh, they're not doing very well because they're not very good, uh, they're currently sitting ninth in the Premier League table, they could drop down to 10th if Aston Villa win their next game, I don't know who that's against, but if that happens then that will happen, uh, so I, the basic question, you know, the Arsenal problem, is it Arteta, the manager, or is it the squad? It could be both, but is it one or the other? I kind of uh, <coughs> discuss that on the podcast. Uh, so if you're an Arsenal fan or if you're interested in football or sports, you can kind of listen to that as well. Uh, chat podcast I also posted this morning. Uh, I did record that very late last night, but I posted it this morning. Talking about April 2021, how it went for entertainment talk. Uh, talked about some tech issues I had last month, which was very, very annoying. And also talking a little bit about ASMR as well and uh, a bunch of other things I just wanted to kind of talk about. Um... An extension of our uh, Invincible podcast for season one that we did. There was a portion at the end of that podcast where we talked about um, Homelander, Omni-Man and Superman. Who would win in a fight between those three characters. So you got Homelander from The Boys, Henry Cavill Superman from Snyder Cut and uh, Omni-Man from uh, Invincible. So we kind of talked about that. That was on the same podcast, so you could listen to that if you want to. Uh, a couple of United cast episodes, uh, talking about Man United's right-winger problem. Uh, that wasn't actually a podcast, that was a video. I used the uh, Pez um, team management kind of editor to sort of show a few things in video. So there is a podcast listed there, but there's nothing there on it. If you scroll down a little bit more on the post, you'll see an embedded video. If you click on that, that will be the actual episode itself. So that was interesting to do. Uh, as I said, must-see review for um, Invincible. It's on, available on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's from Robert Kirkman, the same guy that does The Walking Dead. So that was very fun to do with David as well. Uh, also discussed uh, Elliot Page's interview with Oprah, which is available on Apple TV+. Plus. So that was fun to do. We also talked about it on uh, this week's Geek Town as well, uh, which was interesting. Because uh, Oprah's got... Excuse me, Oprah's got her own uh, interview show on Apple TV Plus and uh, Elliot Page did an interview that was released on Friday, so I talked about that. Uh, United cast episode talking about Man United's 4-2-3-1 formation and uh, how it should work but doesn't quite get used. Again, same situation, that's a video one for that. Uh, also United cast episode for the 6-2 win against Roma. Uh, and then the last two things is... Um, Sorry, the last three things. Uh, there was a piece on our Breaking Bad podcast that I broke out onto its own thing. Talking about the future of AMC and what they might do with their programs that they've got. <clears throat> which was a part of our Breaking Bad uh, Season 2 Episode 3 review. That was last week on Wednesday. We'll be talking about Episode 4 tomorrow. And that's pretty much everything we've been doing on entertainmenttalk.org 
and on podcast platforms. Let's get into some news. So let's talk about the uh, debacle that we have, um, which is Activision, and uh, there has there hasn't been anything specifically quite confirmed. There seems to be some mixed reporting out there, but I want to discuss the whole situation. Uh, so Activision, who owns uh, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, and <coughs> the Call of Duty franchise itself, uh, so all the Call of Duty games, uh, they made a decision, which was that Toys for Bob, who are the developers of Crash Bandicoot Four. Are going to work on Call of Duty uh, Warzone, which is kind of the the game mode that sort of connects Modern Warfare and Black Ops together, which is kind of st- stupid, but that's the way that they decided to to do that. Um, so yeah, Toys for Bob, who made a who made a uh, cartoon character platform video game a few months later, well not a few months later, maybe six months or so later have been chosen to work on a first-person shooter battle royale mode. Um, so uh, there was a Twitter account called Call of Duty News, and they tweeted this out. They said, this now means that Infinity Ward, Treyarch, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, Beanox, High Moon Studios, Toys for Bob, Activision Shanghai, and Demonware are all working on Call of Duty. So you've got that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Not quite ten, but you've got nine developers listed there. Uh, now you do have um, I can't remember which way around it is, but Infinity Ward, Treyarch, and I think it's it's either Raven or Sledgehammer. They are usually the main developers because there's three different Call of Duty developers that take three years to make each game, but they rotate so that you get a Call of Duty game. Every year, it's basically how that works, and then people like Beanox, High Moon Studios, Toys for Bob, Activision—they're all support studios, and they obviously do the ongoing stuff for uh, for Warzone, which is what they're mainly working on right now. Uh, so yeah, nine people working on nine nine different developers. Toys for Bob have now been moved seemingly away from Crash Bandicoot and Spyro, and are now working on Warzone for Call of Duty. Uh, Robert, what do you think of that situation and quite a staggering amount of development teams for that? I think ultimately you're going to see a lot of high-ranking people that work at those studios leave because I'm not sure they want that many people working on that one IP. Now, I'm not confirming this because obviously we don't have any connections with anybody and they don't tell us anything, but Mm -hmm. I find it hard to believe that they're moving so many people off of other projects onto this one project, and that's not going to have an effect on morale or the state of the development team itself. Like, you know, they didn't sign up to make another shooty-shooty bang-bang game, um, which flood the market literally every year that they didn't really need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I see people leaving. I see people getting annoyed, going to other properties, going to uh, other teams, maybe starting their own studios. I don't know how many it'll be. It'll depend really on the internals with everything at Activision. But 
Yeah, I, I predict within you know three to six months we'll start seeing people drop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sad part of this is what could happen here is we don't see a Crash or Spyro game for quite some time because nobody seems to be making those games because Toys for Bob, who were probably going to make Crash Bandicoot 5, um, are now being tasked with working on Call of Duty. Now, there was a quote that came out about a day or two later which said that Toys for Bob, who is again the, the dev on Crash 4, are going to uh there was it was i think the quote was um are going to do continued development on Crash Bandicoot 4 well unless that means there's going to be DLC for Crash Bandicoot 4 which cool if that's the case then then great i mean the game's already got a ton of stuff in it but if you want to make more Crash Bandicoot content cool um but if that's not going to be the case what is it that Crash Bandicoot 4 is not an ongoing game like Call of Duty is uh, where you add, you know, new weapons and playlists and skins and wh- whatever else. Uh, so I, I, I don't quite. I'm not saying I don't believe that quote. I'm just not sure what exactly that would even mean. Um, so I, I, I don't know what that's what's going on there. Uh, if you're wondering, by the way, where uh, Vicarious Visions are, Vicarious Visions is the team that made the um, uh, the uh, remaster trilogy of the Crash games. A while ago, they were tasked with working on, I think it was Blizzard games, and this is Activision, because although you've got the Activision-Blizzard merge thing, uh, Blizzard deals more with things like Overwatch and, is it Diablo and all that sort of stuff? Uh, And then Activision deals with the Call of Duty side. So although they're kind of like this weird merge company or whatever, they do have different sides of things. Um, So... Yeah, but what I what I don't want to happen here is because in terms of the future of like Spyro and Crash, you do have the mobile game, which is now getting seasonal content. I've I've noticed uh, is to use the free to play model with Crash Bandicoot and continue supporting um, the Crash Bandicoot game. Which again, if you're adding more stuff to that, that's fine. But then you've also got the microtransaction angle of that, where people are going to spend like loads and loads and loads of money, which is what Activision wants. And then to simply dump all the other teams onto Call of Duty. Call, Call of Duty. The weird thing is, is that almost every year, Call it no matter which Call of Duty game it is, whether it's Black Ops or the Future Games or Modern Warfare or, or whatever you're doing, sell tremendously well every single year. So, um, why Activision feels the need to like, hey, you know, all these studios that are working or were working on like, you know, Crash and Spyro and these other sorts of games, let's pull them off of those things and put them onto COD. You don't need, you don't need more developers on Call of Duty. I mean, they already took, uh, I mean, Beanox, I think was a support studio for Modern Warfare. Uh, Beanox is the one that did the remastered version of, uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Field, which was a great game. Uh, and then Toys for Bob was the one that did the Spyro remaster. So it's all, all those three, those three studios, Vicarious Visions, Toys for Bob, and Beanox, all participated in the kind of revival of Crash and Spyro. So you kind of think if you're Activision, okay, let's keep those guys in that corner and keep making Spyro and Crash games and supporting the the mobile game if you want to do that. Hey, you could even release a Spyro game of the same nature if you wanted to. Uh, like an on-the-run kind of thing. Either that or add Spyro to the Crash game and make him a playable character, some sort of thing with that. Uh, this does kind of throw my theory out the window of... Because I remember saying a while ago, I think it was maybe last year, that I thought that we were going to see 
Crash game last year for 2020, which we did, Crash 4. I thought we were going to see a Spyro game this year. And then next year, either like a crossover game or some other sort of like in-between thing. And then maybe another game after that. I thought that they would kind of rotate those two characters. Uh, you've also got Tony Hawk's in the in the mix as well. Uh, which were done by... I think that was Vicarious Visions. Uh, which again have been put over to work on, on Blizzard. So this is a very just weird sort of... Uh, you, you never needed to move any of your dev studios anywhere. You could have kept Vicarious Visions on... Um, on... Uh, Tony Hawk, you could have kept Toys for Bob on Crash and Sparrow, and then you could have used Beanox as as the support studio that they are, or have them develop like a Spyro game or something. Uh, if you would have rotated them that way, that would have made a lot more sense. But uh, it just seems that hey, COD's making us loads of money, and Warzone's really making loads of money as well. Let's just pile on more people to work on that franchise, which you didn't already need to do because you already make so much money from it anyway, but I suppose they wanted even more. So we don't know exactly what's going on. That They haven't outright said that, like, hey, uh, these, uh, you know, Toys for Bob and Beanox and, uh, I mean, Vicarious Visions already went to Blizzard, so they ain't going to do anything. Uh, they haven't said that, hey, Beanox and Toys for Bob aren't working on Crash or Spyro, but if you're going to use terms like Toys for Bob's doing continued support for crash 4 when the game's already out and is pretty much out on i think other platforms what does that even mean uh and again unless it's dlc but okay how many pieces of dlc are you gonna do i i don't know so what do you what do you think of the situation yeah it makes no sense why you would shift so much so many resources off of those other properties into call of duty i mean unless their sales were just so terrible for uh, Crash 4, which I don't think they were. I mean, I, you know, I didn't see any article saying it's all 25 million copies or whatever, but I can't imagine it didn't sell anything. Um, it's just, Yeah, it's just really a bizarre move. I don't really know what to do with it. Hmm. Yeah, but why do you need nine developers on Call of Duty? That's just so weird. That's, that's so many. Uh, Unless they're planning something massive, like, like game-changing massive... I don't know why you would need that many resources on that property. That's a, that's a lot of developers, isn't it? It's just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. So, <clears throat> unless you're going to do some actual Black Ops Modern Warfare crossover. But then, like, the game doesn't really have, like, stories. and I mean, it does, but, like, I, I don't know. So, who knows? My, I, my, my theory is it's maybe something massive for Warzone, but... Again, I, from my like personal, I know I said that I like play COD and stuff, but I don't play Warzone. I, I never intend to ever go back to Warzone because I've got Cyber Attack, which is what I mainly play, which has nothing to do with Warzone. So I don't know, but that's what we've got for that. Uh, I was going to talk next about the uh, Last of Us 3 situation, which I will do in a minute. I've just remembered I've got something else in my notes as well. Uh, so we talked a few weeks ago about um konami being one of the listed companies for e3 2021 uh well surprising maybe not surprising plot twist uh they have pulled out of e3 for 2021 says uh due to timing we'll not be ready for uh to present at e3 this year we want to reassure our fans that we are in deep development listen to this next part on a number of key projects wonder what those could be so please stay tuned for some updates in the coming months while we are not participating this year we have great respect for esa and know that 2021 will be a great success uh we'll continue to support the esa and wish the best to all participants at this year's show so you know microsoft ubisoft ea those kind of companies 
I, I think that very particular point, a number of key projects, okay, what are they? Uh, like, are you actually going to remaster Silent Hill and Castlevania and Metal Gear and actually do something with those games? Because uh, a lot of people on, on, and I know Twitter is not the best place to maybe get opinions and discussion, that kind of thing. But a lot of people in the comments were like, oh yeah, so they're delaying their, their new pachinko machines. That might be the case. That might just be, you know, we're not ready to talk about those yet or, or something. So, I mean, there's been rumours swirling around for two years or so that they're going to be doing something with Metal Gear and Silent Hill. Uh, I've still seen zero evidence of that. So until we actually see evidence of that, I have no reason to believe that. Because um, some other people in the comments as well were like, oh, well, well, we'll wait for, you know, we'll be patient for the Silent Hill uh, Metal Gear, you know, returns to those franchises and i like put a twitter reply and i said but okay can you can you name me a reason that we should trust that we like can trust konami uh, outside of you know the pez games being pretty good which is my kind of corner of uh of konami uh, i mean i don't intend to buy another one for a while because i still like the one that i've got um but other than other than that one uh ip I don't see a reason to trust anything that Konami's doing. And even if they do make some other Metal Gear or Silent Hill games, there's no guarantee they'll be any good because the last time we saw them make one, which was Metal Gear Survive, wasn't really a Metal So, um, I know I've talked about Konami a bunch, but, you know, they keep doing these kinds of things and now they've pulled out of E3, so I thought we should talk about that. Uh, any ideas to what these key projects might be that they've uh, noted here? Not a single clue. I mean, Konami, I can't remember the last game they really brought to the uh, um, market that was like, you know, Game Changer or anything like that. Hmm. So it's, I really don't know what they would bring to it. Um, I'm cool with them not showing up because I feel like they have nothing to show that's really (laughs) worth their time. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, you know, it is what it is. I mean, E3 this year is going to be kind of a muted event as well. Um, so much of it's going to be virtual. Um, uh, I don't know. They're obviously not having a big convention. Uh, Sony's not even showing up this year. so mm. They'll probably do a state of play, I'd imagine. They did one the other yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Totally yeah, the, out of nowhere. Yeah, the Ratchet and Clank thing. Um, which we should also probably talk about as well. Uh, but I mean some sort of like big... Uh, you know, PlayStation presentation or some sort of thing. They'll 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 probably do something like that. So, um, yes, yeah, okay. One, why should I trust that Konami is actually doing something anyway? And two, why should I trust that that thing that they're doing is going to be any good? Because that the last game they released that wasn't Pez that I played was Metal Gear Solid Five, which was six years ago in 2015, and then the whole debacle with the. Uh, uh, Kojima situation happened and then that was pretty much it so uh, I mean I enjoyed Metal Gear Solid 5 don't get me wrong I thought it was a great game but that was six years ago so anyway but uh, yeah they've pulled out of E3 so um, I can't say I'm going to miss whatever it was they're going to show so we'll we'll see what they we'll see when they plan to show something next I don't imagine it'll be for a while I don't know so it's not as if you're going to see on Konami's YouTube channel like a state of play or presentation or something. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, you kind of reminded me a little bit. Yeah, we did get to see some more um, Ratchet and Clank uh, last week at the uh, the state of play. Um, I think it looks fantastic. I don't think we need to see anything else from it. Um, 
I think some of the uh, the gameplay and stuff looks great. You know, you've got kind of the the rail rail grinding and stuff that's kind of back and and that sort of thing. I am wondering how um, is it Rivet how she kind of fits into the story and like all this dimensional stuff that they're doing. But it's very kind of like Doctor Strange esque, isn't it? With all the the portals and you know them kind of flying through that and everything, which is which looks quite cool. So yeah, I I quite enjoyed it and uh, I'm looking forward to, to playing it. Uh, what did you think of the Ratchet and Clank thing? Yeah, it was definitely interesting. It's definitely a good way to see, you know, the technology for that. I'm trying to remember, is that going to be locked onto the PS5 or are they going to try to put that on the PS4? I think it's only on PS5, like uh, yeah, cause, Reti- like Returnal, yeah. Yeah, because we're now we're finally starting to see um, games that are exclusive to the PS5. We're not going to see that with Xbox because they've already said everything's going to be backwards compatible, but they are... You know, doing like they did with the uh, the One X, or saying you know better on Series X and Series S. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, but no, I thought that looked great as well. Um, a bit of information on Lost of Us Three that kind of popped out out of uh, almost nowhere. This is from Push Square, so I'll just read out what I've got here on the Last of Us Three. Uh, Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann has confirmed during an, an episode of the Script Art podcast, which I've never actually heard of, but he was on that podcast, uh, that he and co-writer Haley Gross uh, have completed work on a story outline to a sequel to The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, when asked about the possibility of a follow-up to uh, Ellie's uh, journey... Uh, through Seattle and beyond, Druckerman explained, I don't know how much I want to reveal. Co-writer Haley Gross and I did write an outline for a story that we're not... Uh, I don't know why I said not making, because then he said, but I hope uh, one day can see the light of day. Um, that explores a little bit of what happens after this game. We'll see. Uh, he then goes on to say there have been a lot of internal discussions at Naughty Dog concerning um, the possibility of another entry in the series, but stressed how much work, time and effort goes into making them. Quote, after we finish one of our big titles, we take a long time to explore different ideas, whether it's going to be Last of Us 3, um, whether it's something new, whether there's some old franchise we want to go back to, which is a bit of a hint to Jack and Dexter. Uh, I like to fully explore all of those, then look like, okay, we have all of uh, of these ideas in front of us. As a stu- studio, what do we want to commit to? Uh, because it's a huge commitment, monetary uh, time, uh, passion, talent. So um, you think about all the opportunity costs that come with that. Uh, and then from Push Square here as well it says of course re- recent reports suggest Naughty Dog is working on a multiplayer spin-off to The Last of Us as well as a full remake which we talked about a few weeks ago of the original game which is definitely more on Sony's part than Naughty Dog's uh, they're also the assumption that a new IP has to be part of its plans do you want to see a third entry in The Last of Us Saga where should uh, Abby's story go next let us know in the comments um yeah, this has me kind of excited. As I've you know mentioned once or twice, I quite like The Last of Us Part Two. It's a game that's uh, pretty special to me. It's a game that I think is absolutely fantastic, and a game I've still not even finished my time with yet because I still haven't actually platinumed it because I'm playing uh, Oddworld Soulstorm. Uh, I am curious as to what the because it says I don't know how much I want to reveal. Co-writer Haley Gross and I did a, did write an outline for a story that we're not making, but I hope can see the light of the day. Uh, that explores a bit what happens after the after the end of this game. 
Um, to me, it kind of sounds like it, it definitely sounds at the moment like Naughty Dog's trying to figure out what to do next. I think we can kind of assume factions is happening, like a factions two, which I think will be a se- separate game, um, like a separately released game. I don't think that you'll see that as like DLC for Last of Us Two. Um, so they'll probably release that. That will probably be like a PS Five thing. Then there's obviously that waste of time that's going to be the remake of the first game. Uh, which is obviously going to be marketing tie-in to the TV show, which is uh, happening as well at the moment. Um, but and then there's a possibility of like, do we want to go back to something like maybe Jack and Dexter? Do we want a new IP? I think the question for me within all of that, okay, is it's great that Naughty Dog is trying to explore. Okay, we have these different ideas like new IP or Last of Us Three and factions and the remake of the first game and uh, a bunch of things that are clearly being sort of jotted down and stuff. Um, I, I mean, I don't know specifically how big the Naughty Dog team is, so how much they can make at one point, um, but I don't know, so we'll probably, we'll probably see, the next things we'll probably see from The Last of Us is the TV show, Factions 2, and then probably the remake of the first game, which I've heard has had, like, actually quite a bit of work done on it already, not that it's coming out, like, this year or something, but that it's, uh, relatively far along, um, is kind of some of the things that I've heard. Uh, but for me, you know, Last of Us 3 I think would be great. I do think there's still a lot of uh, story opportunities within some of the, not story gaps in Last of Us 2, but areas of the story that can be explored more. Uh, there was that whole, like, 20-year time jump between the start of the first game and, like, when Ellie's introduced to the story with the whole Tommy and Joel thing. Uh, so you could explore that. You could obviously make Joel the playable character. There's a particular section in the second game involving Tommy that you don't really quite see. So you could maybe play as Tommy for that or something. Um, there's also obviously like sequel opportunities as well. Because um, although you could end the story kind of with the second game. I think that there's still an opportunity to tell more of the story with part three so for me i'd like to see a a combination of um a third game you know probably at the end of the ps5's life cycle uh but in the meantime maybe some story dlc for last of us 2 um the remake again i'm not really particularly bothered about because i've already played the first game i don't really have any plans to buy or play the remake of the first game uh factions i'm not sure yet i want to see more of what that sort of looks like so obviously i've got cod as my sort of ongoing multiplayer game so that's kind of where I'm at with all that. Jack and Dexter, I'm not particularly bothered about um, myself. I know that that game's got its own fans. And if they do something there, that'd be cool. But that's not where I'm really concerned. Uh, what do you think of all this, Robert? I think A Last of Us Part 3 is inevitable. That uh, 2 just you know blew up too big. It won too many awards. It sold too many copies for there not to be a sequel. As for the story, like I've said before... You know, I'm not as interested and as invested in it as you are, but to be fair, not that many people are. You're kind of the, one of the super mega fans for this franchise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's okay. It it sold well enough and it did well enough that, you know, if they came out with a third, like I said, it's inevitable. Um, I do agree with you that the, the first remake is kind of unnecessary, but... Um, hey, if it if it doesn't cost and doesn't take too much time out of the, the development team's life to do that, I'm fine with it. <clears throat> As for the story, I mean, I don't know really the story too much from 2, so I couldn't comment on 3 and what's available there. Mm-hmm. I did see the TV show because, like I said, it just it, it's not 
a me game. It's not one that I normally play. It's you know not one that I had that much interest in. I did beat the first one from a story perspective. Never did the collectibles, but to be fair, I don't do the collectibles in most video games I play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a collect all the things kind of player. Yeah, I just yeah. don't have that kind of time <laughs> um, for any game. Um, famously, there's like for the first Mass Effect game, I had one achievement that I didn't get, and that was just to get a character to level sixty. And I'd already beaten the game both full light side, full Paragon, and full Renegade. And I just didn't want to play a third playthrough just to get that one achievement. Hmm. Some people, the you know the trophy hunters, the uh, the achievement score people, trying to get that big big number that would drive them nuts. Me, it was just like, eh, not really. Hmm. Um, but hey, it's you know it's their thing, so let them go for it. So cool. Uh, but yeah, it has almost been you know it'll be a year next month since Last of Us Part Three. So. Uh, although, you know, when the game first came out, people straight away was like, oh, we're going to get part three, which just shows some, you know, good enthusiasm and that kind of thing. But it had just been sort of too soon at that point. But it's almost been one year. So I assume they've been doing something within within the last year, probably making factions too in some way, shape or form. Um, but yeah, there there is this, this concern there that Naughty Dog don't release games that often. And when they do, you know it's taken quite some time because of the production value and everything else that's involved in the game. I mean, you look at just all the different... Just just the parts of The Last of Us 2. Uh, like, if you didn't like the story or whatever, like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but, like, you have to... When you look at that game from a technical standpoint, like the animations and just how things worked... I Even if you don't like the game, you I still hope that people could respect, like... Okay, this even though you might not like it, this clearly took a long time to to put together. There's just so many like details and technical things in that game that clearly, clearly took quite some time. Which, again, going back to the whole lot, my my worry with this Last of Us One remake is okay. If Sony wants it out or whatever to tie into the TV show, fine, they're gonna do that. They're the ones ultimately kind of in charge because they own Naughty Dog. Um, but in terms of time and resources, which Naughty Dog don't seem to like have a whole lot of time because it does take them a very long time to get games out but then because the production values are so big I just don't want that to take up too much of their time really um I mean from a money side of a point if they can afford to make it comfortably and everything else then fine but I'm just you know I don't want if the last of us one remake means that last of us three is going to take th- three more years than what it would have then I don't want that to happen. But if it means that Last of Us 3 can get here, or whatever's next for the franchise, can get here in a reasonable amount of time, then whatever, fine. I still don't think it's a, it's a, it's a great idea. It's it's clearly to tie into, hey, did you enjoy the story of the first season of Last of Us? Well, hey, it's on PS5 and it's being remade and all, all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, um... I don't know. The, the the one thing Sony wouldn't do is wait for Naughty Dog to make Last of Us 3 and then release a TV show because then the TV show would, itself would be delayed or be much, much later. So, I don't know. But uh, I, I just hope that resources here are managed well and that we can... It doesn't... They don't get delayed too much with um, kind of admittedly unnecessary... Um, productions and stuff so we'll see we'll see how it works out but i am glad to see that you know with, with within the first year of the after the first game neil has said about like hey we do have kind of this story outline and we'll see where it goes which is kind of where you start from so 
we'll see. Uh, the other thing I have related to Last of Us is is this. Uh, there was a reported leaked document from a Microsoft, somebody at Microsoft, some sort of opinion thing. I'm not completely sure how true this is, so take this with a grain of salt. But I wanted to throw it in here with the Last of Us stuff, and we can kind of see what we what we make of it. Um, so it says their companies conduct internal reviews of their competitors' products all the time. It's just we. Um, uh, never actually get to quite read them. The ongoing uh, litigation between Apple and Epic Games is uncovering all kind of uh, industry secrets, which is something we're going to talk about here in, in a little bit as well, uh, with the whole, I think it's the Fortnite thing as well. Uh, however, such as uh, this Microsoft review of The Last of Us Part 2 was, uh, a penned, was penned by a couple of staffers uh, from the Xbox or portfolio team and uh, is presented to the kind of review you would see on uh, it says push square so it says uh, generally the employees uh, throughout um thorough sorry the generally the employees thoroughly enjoyed the game describing it as a type of experience um developers of narrative games based games should be aspiring to accomplish with their character uh, dialogue presentation and voice acting however uh, they're extremely critical of the combat. Says, quote, Naughty Dog still can't seem to make decent game combat in any of their games. And this is no exception. Luckily for them, it fits in with the game's theme and pushes the player towards using stealth head on. Uh, the review goes on to grab about the weapon switching system uh, before con- before concluding. Uh, not every team has the talent or money to produce a game like that. Uh, and then... They push square goes on to say that they really like the game. It really interesting to me. This this is uh, something that I do like to keep a bit of an eye on is what I call business competition, which is where one company looks at another and says, "Hey, they're doing this thing. This thing's pretty good, or not very good. Let's do what they're doing, but better than what they're doing it." Um, so if just a little example, which is slightly different, if like HBO or somebody looked at Stranger Things and thought, hey, that show's doing really, really well. Let's try and make something better or similar that we can say, hey, come over to HBO Max. You know, we we want we don't want you to watch Netflix. We want you to subscribe to HBO Max and watch content on our platform. Uh, the interesting part here for the Microsoft thing for me is, okay, if you think that like, you know, the game's got good narrative and character dialogue and acting and that sort of thing, which is part that I agree with. If you don't think the combat is very good, then, uh, hey, try and make a competing game where the combat is, at least in their opinion, better than The Last of Us 2's combat. Because then you can say, hey, we made, you know, a game with, I don't know, better combat than Last of Us 2 or, or some sort of thing like that. Um, the, the closest thing that I think Microsoft's got in terms of that third-person cover-based combat, which isn't really quite similar, but... Um, is the closest thing they've kind of got is maybe something like Gears of War, uh, which is another, which is a game from Xbox that I do really, really enjoy. That that franchise, that's probably the closest thing that they've got. I think. I mean, Halo, you know, is a first-person shooter, which you can use cover, but it's not a first-person cover-based shooter. So different genre. Uh, Forza's a racing game, so that's completely different. And then Gears of War is the one that I just mentioned. Um, most of their other franchises don't really do. The same things the last of us do i mean i mean the other closest thing that you've got is like state of decay but that's more of like a sims sort of zombie survival game which doesn't really have like a strong narrative it is that's more about like base building and trying to keep your group happy and that sort of thing so uh what do you think of these uh particular comments about like the gunplay and that sort of thing 
Robert. Yeah, it's not that unexpected. I mean, Microsoft has always commented on other people's games and never in a trash them, dump on them kind of a way. It is a fair criticism because while the game, at least for The Last of Us Part 1 that I played, the story was pretty decent, but the gameplay mechanics was a bit of a pain. Um, you know, it's, so that's not an unfair criticism of that. Uh, hopefully they do come up with something cool. Um, you're never going to sell it if you just say, hey, this is like Last of Us, but better. Obviously, they have to come up with their own thing for that. Sure. Uh, it's not that uncommon for games to constantly copy each other. Um, look at concepts Battle like... Battle Royale, yeah. Battle Royale is a thing. I mean, you got to remember, before first-person shooter was a term, it was literally just called a Doom clone because it was the, that was the first first-person game was Doom, and people just copied it. Mm. Yeah. So, um, it's a bit like sort of... Um, once Game of Thrones finished, we started to notice a bit of an uptick in fantasy series. Because I assume most people, a lot of these other streamers sort of looked at the situation and went, hey, Game of Thrones is really popular. Sure, the final season divided opinion, but it was still overall a generally popular show. And then you saw things like Cursed and The Witcher and a bunch of other things as well, uh, like from Netflix and, and that sort of stuff. So it, I, I'm fascinated by business competition and what companies try to do to outdo each other. Because at the end of the day, if they're all trying to fight each other to make the best product, we're the ones that get those products. So, sure, if it means that you know Netflix ends up with more subscribers than somebody else, that doesn't really matter to us because if they're if if they're punching each other, you know, not literally punching each other, but like in terms of that competition, they're trying to beat each other up to make the best products we're the ones that gets them and gets to sit there and just consume them and then they have to fight over making the best stuff uh and i i I love that kind of thing so um but yeah if they are inspired by you know kind of the narrative stuff from last of us but they don't think the combat is as good hey make a game that's that's better or or, or try to because then that will be their way of trying to compete business-wise with uh with Microsoft, I would be curious to see as much as I enjoyed State of Decay. If Microsoft tried to do a more sort of a more narrative-driven zombie game, I would be curious to see what they could kind of uh, come up with. Because as I posted, you know, with my podcast, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, that I love zombie apocalypse stories and that those those sort of zombie stories. So, if Microsoft wants to throw their hat into the ring and make something in that genre, I'll I'll try it out. Um, but I don't think I just don't quite think State of Decay is the answer to that. We don't know what State of the K3 is going to look like yet, but um, that's th- those have just been more sort of like Sims meets zombies sort of thing. So we shall we shall see. But uh, that's all the stuff for The uh, Last of Us Part 2 and potentially Part 3. Uh, some information about uh, a deal that was struck between um playstation and discord so a bit a bit of a twist in the in the story because a few weeks ago we did talk about uh the deal that fell apart between um microsoft and discord they tried to get the deal what was it i said at the time was it 10 billion i think that was the amount that i said at the time for like the microsoft deal with discord that didn't happen uh but sony's announced um Announcing new PlayStation's new partnership with Discord, a popular communication service will integrate with your social experience on PlayStation beginning early next year, so for 2022. Uh, so this is a quote from Jim Ryan, the uh, CEO. 
and he said uh, at PlayStation we constantly we're constantly looking for new ways to enable players around the world to connect with one another from uh, forming new friendships and communities and share fun experiences and uh, lasting memories. It's in the spirit this spirit they were excited to announce a new partnership. Uh, with Discord, the communication service popularized by gamers and used by more than 140 million people uh, every month around the world. Together, our teams are already hard at work connecting Discord with your social and gaming experience on PlayStation Network. Uh, Our goal is to bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on PlayStation and mobile uh, starting early next year. Uh, allowing friends, groups, and communities to hang out, have fun, communicate more easily while playing games together. Uh, to bring these experiences uh, to life for our players, Sony Interactive Entertainment has made a minority investment as part of Discord's series Hate Round. I'm not sure exactly what that is, but that's what was listed here. Uh, from our first communication with co-founders Jason Citron and Stan Vincenski, uh, I was inspired by their life... Uh, Lifelong love for gamers and our teams shared passion to help bring friends and community together in new ways, empowering players to create communities and enjoy shared gaming experiences. It's at the heart of what we do, so we are beyond excited to share this journey with one of the world's most popular uh, communication services. Uh, So, and then says, stay tuned for updates. Uh, so it looks like there's going to be next year potentially some kind of integration, I assume, with PS5. It'll be interesting to see what they do with PS4 if they include it there. Uh, I don't imagine it will be included on PS3. <laughs> um, but yeah, Discord isn't something I use massively. Uh, I did set up a little like entertainment talk thing a little while ago, but I never kind of sort of used it. Um, I do use it when I go on the Next to Nothing podcast, which isn't entirely that often, but I've got my account sort of on on the side for that uh what do you think of uh this deal with uh playstation and discord yeah it's interesting because um, it is a minority stake ownership so i don't it's not like they're going to buy it or take it over honestly um we've seen the financials for sony they don't have the money to buy it and take it over mm-hmm. um i do use discord not a ton a lot but there's a few of the streamers pretty much every streamer that gets to a point to where they have a lot of community interaction has a discord uh server and channel so i'm on a few of those it's it's a real fun way to you know to share stuff without having like an official website or anything like that um the integration i'm definitely curious about to see what it's going to do and how they try to make it work uh, microsoft has had groups for the longest time but i don't think anybody ever really uses them um so it's it's a good way for um and gamers to connect on a platform. Um, I'm, I know some developers have discords up. Some, you know, different fandoms have discords up. So it's it's definitely there. There's definitely a use for it. I'm curious to see where it goes from here, though. Mm-hmm. Just trying to look in here. He said something about um, where did it go? Uh. It, it was something I can't I can't find where the quote was, but something about like making. Uh, it's in the spirit to announce new partnership. I was just trying to find where the quote was again. Um, our, our goal is to bring Discord, the Discord and PlayStation experiences, closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, allowing friends, groups, and communities to ha- hang out, have fun, and communicate more easily 
while playing games together. Uh, PlayStation parties isn't the greatest thing. Um, I think they closed the PlayStation communities thing down. So it's almost a bit of... Now, I'm not trying to put words into Jim's mouth. Jim Jim Ryan here, his mouth. Um, that feels a little bit like saying, hey, we never kind of really got, you know, the name change and PSN and party, you know, that, that kind of social area has never been that great on PlayStation. I don't know what it's like on PlayStation 5, but I'm assuming it's not that much better. But you, the general consensus on PlayStation parties where you, like, group up and you can, like, message and, and just, you know, generally voice chat and stuff um hasn't been the greatest thing so this is sort of like saying hey instead of us trying to kind of improve parties let's just get discord on board let them do it and then we'll just put discord onto playstation which isn't the worst idea you know if you're kind of admitting that you can't really like i mean again as you as me and you always kind of bring up uh mainly you've kind of brought it up in the past you couldn't change your name on playstation for like 10 years and you still can't really even do it properly without potentially like ruining your games and that sort of thing so just that general social area of PlayStation, they've never really quite got right. So it's sort of like, hey, let's pull in Discord. They can do it. We can put Discord on the PlayStation and just let that kind of play out. Uh, what, what do you think of that? Well, it'll be interesting to see how much access they actually get to the uh, PlayStation OS. Um, PlayStation is notorious for not letting people play on their uh, sandbox. Uh, we'll have to see what goes on with it, how well it's integrated, if it even works, mm. um, things like that. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, that's all the news I've got. Quite a few things there. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, going back to what we talked about with the uh, the uh, trial with Epic and Apple over money and things like that, uh, they did uh, a document dump, for lack of a better word, with the evidentiary hearing, um, and some of the numbers that people have been picking out are fascinating absolutely i mean mind-boggling but fascinating um according to the documents fortnite made nine billion dollars in revenue between 2018 and 2019 okay. uh don't know how much of that was profit the company as a whole had a 5.5 billion dollar profit between 2018 and 2019 um according to an article by the washington post uh between january 2017 and october of 2020 the amount uh, of money that Epic made um, related to Fortnite was pretty much the entire company. Over that time period, Apple, Epic paid Apple in revenues from the sale of digital items almost $240 million. Uh, Microsoft got $246 million, and Sony got $452 Sorry, having a hiccup fit. Uh, $452 million in uh those in that time frame so if you figure all three of those companies are taken that's their 30 percent payment you can just take that number calculate it out and go completely cross-eyed in just staggering amounts of money um so this is part of the information that's getting um entered into the court's evidence between apple's ban of fortnite off the ios and you know trying to do whatever they were doing with that so mm-hmm you just made me think of something. I just wanted to find a clip on YouTube so you may have heard something just there. Uh, do you remember this? I'm going to just put my phone next to my microphone because I don't know how else to do this. And I don't want to edit in, it in later. Maybe I'm just going to play play this. Now empty that safe. Now empty that safe. Now empty that safe. 
That's I I know I know that, but I don't know why I know that. Toy Story One. Oh, okay. See, it's, I, it's it, right at the start of the film. It's even before you got a friend of me kicks in. So. It's been like fifteen years since I've seen that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but where it's I, been I, like 10, as, years as you were reading out all those hundreds of millions on whatever, I just thought of where because that's Andy's talking in that scene where he goes money, money, money. So <laughs> good times. Uh, but yeah, lots and lots of money. So, um, I mean, it, it's interesting when you when we look at, you know, the situation we talked about earlier with COD and moving, like, nine developers over or whatever they're trying to do over there. Again, the situation is not entirely clear, but that's what it seems like they're doing. Um, yeah, Fortnite makes an absolute ton of money. They've had some proper uh, problems, obviously, with um, with Apple. Do you have anything specific in there with, with the actual trial with, with Apple? No, because right now it's an evidentiary hearing. Um, that's where basically both parties enter evidence into the court for uh, legality and admissibility and things like that. So it's basically just showing kind of your, kind of like showing your cards. It doesn't really started yet until we get to that point. Usually with cases like this, there's the initial discovery. There's a couple dismissals back and forth that either happen or don't happen. And then when it gets to evidentiary hearing, that's when things start to get serious. Um, whether it gets to a full court or if they decide to settle, um, that's really kind of up to the lawyers to that point. Because uh, mm. if it goes to a full court, you never really know what happens, especially in a case like this. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see how that works out. But we can let the big corporations fight each other <laughs> and just play their games. So there we go. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Well, speaking of giant piles of money, uh, telecom giant Verizon Communications has announced its plans to sell Yahoo and AOL to a private equity company called Apollo Global Management. Uh, This sale price is listed at $5 billion and is expected to close later this year. According to a New York Times article, the deal covers not only Yahoo and AOL brands, but their advertising platforms, too. Um, Now, Verizon is not completely divesting themselves of the companies as it will hold on to a 10% stake. But this is Verizon, for whatever reason, deciding to clear the books because um, for those of you that don't know, AOL is short for um, America Online, which was one of the early IP um, ISPs out there. This is back during the dial-up era. Mm-hmm. Um, it got really popular, and then with more public, more private ISPs and more options, it really kind of dwindled down. And for whatever reason, Verizon purchased AOL just by itself in 2015 for $4.4 billion, And then they bought Yahoo in 2017 for $4.4 billion as well. So, And then in 2018, Verizon disclosed a write-down of $4.6 billion between those two properties based on, quote, lower-than-expected revenues and earnings. So they overpaid for something, and now they're just trying to get out of it Um losing about $3 billion in the process. To be honest, I had completely forgot about AOL because that has not been a relevant brand in at least 15 years. Mm. Um, Because it was was AOL Time Warner for a while. Time Warner Media is um, an American-based television group. So if you ever see a TNT logo for TV shows, that's Time Warner. Well, that's part of Time Warner. Mm. Um, So... Yeah, it's just weird that they're dumping these off for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. I guess they're trying to uh, uh, clear out their books and clear out some of their overhead. So, mm. 
Who knows? Who knows? I mean, Yahoo and uh, AOL I've not used for a long time, as as you mentioned. Um, I think when I went to... I, I believe I remember... As you were mentioning AOL, I started thinking of school, because I remember using AOL for something at school. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. You're talking like, you know, even 10 years ago for me, uh, when I since I left school. <clears throat> Actually, 11 years. Jesus Christ. Um time goes too quickly i'm almost 30 um but uh yeah that, that's the last time i kind of remember aol being sort of relevant or like publicly used i suppose uh yahoo i think they still don't they still have like a search engine or something you can use even though most yeah. people, even though most people use bing and google for, for yeah that. yahoo still has their search engine they do have some weird collaboration with CBS, which is a television station over here, mm-hmm. to do uh, like fantasy sports. So you can use it's like the CBS Yahoo, you know, fantasy football team manager, fantasy baseball team manager, things like that. Um, technically, I still have a Yahoo email address, but I only do it. I just use it for when I have to put in an email address for something. I just use that as a spam catcher. I don't. I literally right, check that email right. account like once a year. Um, yeah I mean AOL to tell you how old that goes back uh, you used to be able to get AOL as a free 30 day service on three and a half inch floppy disks that's how far back it goes this is like early stages of the 2400 baud modem dial up era so we're talking 96 97 when it was like really starting to become mainstream and I don't think anybody's used it since 2005 as an actual ip Mm. Uh, because back then all your stuff through your ip was proprietary so like Mm -hmm. if something was on aol it was only on aol and you couldn't get it through other ips yeah uh yeah just for reference i went to high school from 2005 to to, uh, 2010 and i was obviously at primary school before that so uh yeah it, it was around that sort of 2000s era where uh, AOL was being used. So <clears throat> that uh, takes me back a little bit. Uh, what else do you want to talk about today? Well, speaking of other massive things, the patch notes are out for Mass Effect Legendary Editions, and the day one patch is technically live, but not live because the game doesn't come out for another 10 days, but it is listed on there. Uh, according to an uh, article on uh, Twisted Voxel, uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition patch 1.1 has gone live on PlayStation servers. And it is a giant, giant patch. To take a wild guess about how big this patch is. Well, I heard it was bigger than the three games. I think someone said individually. Uh, so you're probably talking... I'll just take a wild guess. Uh, I'll say 60 to 80 gigabytes. Or is that way uh, too big? That's way too big because it's definitely bigger than the first game. It's 11.8 gigs as a day one patch. Yeah, I I was I was overestimating a bit. Yeah, uh, I think the 60 gig number. I did see that, but I think that's like all three games put together. Um, But it might have been something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you think about the first game, which was an Xbox exclusive, that is bigger than the game. I think that game was like a a four or five gig game itself. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's good that they're um, you know getting so much done in advance. It's kind of a bummer for people that uh, still buy the game physically because you know you get the disc and then you gotta wait for God knows yeah. how long for that to install an update. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Hey, I'm used to installations. I play Call of Duty, so yeah. <laughs> How many times have I reinstalled that game? So that's true. Yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, if that happens, I'll usually just like play something else while it uh downloads, or watch a show, or do a podcast, or something else. So I I, I know I know that's not the same situation for everybody, but that's just uh how I kind of do that. So. Um, like I'll try and get a bit in Oddworld done if I'm waiting for a COD update or you know watch an episode of something. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this Mass Effect thing. Um, I don't know when I'll be playing it because I'm in the middle at the moment of Oddworld Soulstorm. I don't know if I'm going to get the good or the bad ending, and I'd like to try to get somewhat of a good ending. Um, and then I've still got all that stuff in Last of Us Two to do, uh, which is basically the rest of the playthrough of the game I was doing. Uh, with the unlimited explosive arrows, uh, then I'll probably think about because I do want I do want to definitely play this, and I'm kind of um, somewhat excited. Uh, and then obviously you got well with, with Ratchet and Clank, I can't play it anyway because I haven't got a PS5, and I don't think I'll have one uh, when June. I think it's June 11th uh, gets here, so I'll just have to wait to play that one later. But other than those kind of three games. Um, I don't. I can't think of what else is on sort of my plate, but uh, that's already quite a lot itself. So, um, how about you? When are you going to plan to jump into it? I plan on playing it at some point. I doubt I'm going to play it uh, right off the back day one because I have played all three games, beaten them, and I have uh, played uh, Andromeda, but I never gotten around to finishing it. I know that with the patches that have come out, it has gotten a lot better. So now that's part of EA Pass. I might try to give that one another chance. Um, I definitely am going to play it at some point. Um, probably wait till like Christmas because a lot of stuff's coming to Game Pass, and I want to at least carve out some time for that. So, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Uh, but yes, good luck to everybody installing the patches, and hope it doesn't take too long. So we'll see because not everybody's got the same internet, and uh, have to see how that goes. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Well, there was a fledgling eSport uh, that emerged earlier called We Play eSports. Um, it just finished its first season, and it's possible that it's only season for a fighting league because they lost two pretty big uh, developers as a sponsor. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 developer NetherRealm Studios and Tekken 7 slash Soul Calibur producers Bandai Namco have announced they will no longer be working with We Play. Weeks after the first season of the We Play uh, UFL, which is Ultimate Fighting League, featured all three of those games, uh, both developers cited differences in vision. Uh, the, contra- the controversy appears to be stemming from We Play's recent partnership with Russian online betting firm 1xBet. Have you heard of that at all, the 1xBet? No, I've heard of certain betting companies like uh, Betfred and... Uh, some other ones like Bet Three Six Five, just just because I see those get advertised when I watch football and stuff. So, uh, but no, I've not heard of that one. Yeah, there's a series of YouTube videos that I have, like when I'm doing stuff on my computer and have it on the second monitor. It's called GIFs with Sound, and it's basically a video clip or an animated GIF, but with an unrelated sound, and they do it for comedy. And I I remember One X Bet um, advertising heavy on some of those uh, channels that made that content. Um, but I never did anything with it because it is a rushing betting site. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an article that you can uh, read from the British publication called The Times. Uh, the Times report revealed that One Xbox uh, had some uh, 
less than wholesome things. There was a promotion of a Pornhub casino, which is basically an online casino that uses topless dealers, uh, as well as betting on sports and um, for like kids sports. So like imagine like the 12 year old playing football and then betting on that because yeah, that's something you want to bet on. That's weird. Um, yeah, that is very, very well weird. Um, we play did uh, make a official statement. They responded to NetherRealms and Bandai, Bandai Namco's decision to withdraw, saying the decision caught them by surprise. They also claimed since WUFL began and after the event finished, it tried to discuss future seasons, go over feedback, and address um, any concerns, but they never got any response. Um, mm. So that's one of those things that. You, you, those are two big if you're doing a fighting league those are games that you're going to want in your fighting league and the fact that they don't want them to do that um is cr- is crushing to that um so we'll just have to see if that league can even survive without how those two companies coming on and what other effects their partnership with one x bet uh reaches mm-hmm. yeah yeah so sometimes these things happen and uh you have to arrange something else around it or do something else around it. Uh, I don't have any other particular thoughts on this. so Yeah, and I don't know enough about the bet. I mean, sports betting is legal here in Indiana where I live. It's it's not legal universally in the United States. Um, it, each state makes their own laws, and then the the gambling companies, you know, follow whatever regulations they have to and then they get a they get certified and accredited and then they can advertise and you can gamble mm-hmm. in that state once that process goes um it is definitely a booming business it's something that when done properly with like productions and whatnot is something that some people make tons of money on um i dabble in it i do it more for fun than anything else so i'm not a big heavy gambler on that um, obviously I can't gamble outside the U S cause that is illegal and I don't bother doing that. It's not worth my time to do something illegal. Mm. Um, hopefully they can get things sorted out. So we'll just have to see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. How old do you have to be in America to bet? 18, um, for online to be in an actual casino, you gotta be 21. Okay. Um, and, and some States, the 18 is the minimum to do that for online betting because you're not going in a physical casino. Uh, you can go in physical casinos. If you're under 21, you just can't do any gambling. It's like you can walk around, look at the machines, um, and do, you know, non gambling stuff. Um, okay. but you can't actually bet on anything. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, it's 18 over here. Um, cause you've got rules where like you can't drink until you're 21, but we can do that when we're 18 over here. Um, but you have, you have to be like 21 to do certain things over in the states, which most most of those are 18. Um, what what's the what's the age on driving? Because ours is 17, at least last time I I remember. It it varies from state to state. Uh, where I live is 16. Um, some states you can do 14 with a learner's permit and a parent in the uh, car supervising. Um, some there's like specialty licenses for kids that are into motorsports because you can race like small motorcycles, BMX, things like that. Well, younger than 16, but um, you know, you have to have parents permission. You have to go through training and uh-huh. safety, things like that. And that's limited to just that sport. 
Hmm. So like for BMX or uh, you know um, funny car races, things like that, they start as young as, as like eight and nine. Um, but Jesus. then it's it, it's in a very very controlled and very very narrow environment. It's like mm-hmm. you have the track and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's move on from that. What else do you want to talk about? Well, the last one is always something funny. You know how I always like to try to, mm-hmm. to end on something. I, I do, by the way, have something else I want to talk about, but it's also funny. So let's end on okay. two funny things. Okay. You, you so, um, yeah, everybody, well, at least if you've watched anything, you're familiar with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, he's not a stranger to being in the gaming world indirectly. There was a really terrible uh, pinball game called Sci-Fi Pinball. that was basically just pinball tables themed around uh, sci-fi shows. So for sci-fi pinball, there was The Fly, Buffy the Vampire, Slayer, Aliens, Predator, things like that. Um, there was a full-motion video game called uh, Goosebumps. Um, so that, but those were back in the '90s. But apparently, you know, it's still something that he's interested in because he is joining this season's of Dark Dice podcast, which starts on May 12th. Dark Dice is listed as a heavily heavily edited series with original soundtracks and immersive soundscapes. Um, so there's not going to be a whole lot of dice rolling and flipping through character sheets. So it's not like Critical Role or anything like that. Um, but he is playing a elf. Um, it's got the name here. Where's it listed? I just I literally just had it and I lost it. Um, for the name of his character, where is it? Oh, here it is. Goldblum will be playing an elf sorcerer named Balmer in a in the upcoming season of Dark Dice. So if you're uh, um, a Jeff Goldblum fan or you just like something different, you can hear him lend his voice to the podcast playing D&D. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, uh, I quite like Jeff Goldblum as well. Um, you know, he was in some of the Jurassic, uh, was it Jurassic Park, wasn't it? Uh, those films. And um, he's also got a uh, series on Disney+. Plus. What's it called? The world, the world according to Jeff Goldblum, where he just explores mm-hmm. like different things, which uh, is is kind of like you know if you want to kind of put that on in the background and listen to him talk about different things and kind of like do something else in the meantime, uh, that's kind of a, a cool show. I never did actually finish catching up with it, but uh, I kind of always have the intention of doing that. But he was in like Thor Ragnarok and uh, various other films as well. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's a cool dude. Um, hopefully, he does well on this this podcast. Um, and uh, I wish him good luck with that. So, yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's he's always been a unique character. Um, his mm. voice and cadence is, like, there's like five or six actors to where you hear that voice and you automatically know who that is without even seeing mm. him. Yeah. Um, he's one. Christopher Walken's another. Gary Busey's another. Um, so we'll just have to see. I actually have not heard of this podcast, but I'm at least going to listen to the first episode. D and D is one of those games where it's it's hard to listen to as a narrative, just because so much of it is dependent on your character and your dice and things like that. Is not the easiest thing to do as like an audiobook. Hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, hopefully he does a good time on that. So. Mm-hmm. We wish him well. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd end uh, my. I wanna wanted to include something else which I've briefly forgotten. Uh, and I don't wanna. I don't really wanna do this next bit as like an analysis because there's not really much to analyze here. But uh, what would you say that Google is most known for? 
uh, being a search engine. Search engine, right. So uh, they released the gaming platform Google Stadia, which we've talked about a number of times. Google Stadia's been out for, I think, 15 or 16 months, so coming up to a year and a half. So as Robert just mentioned, uh, you know, usually if you open a web browser, sometimes by default, it will use Google as a search func- search function. At least it does for me on my uh, laptop and on my phone if I'm looking up shows or whatever else I'm looking up, like an actor or something. Um, so 15 or 16 months after launch, uh, Google Stadia has added a revolutionary feature which is going to change the game and is going to get them to beat PlayStation 5 and Nintendo and Xbox. That function is a search bar. I mean, it's, it's ironic, isn't it? it? That's just that. That's too. That's almost quite meta, isn't it? Um, that all, it took them over over a year for some reason. A company that's most known for being used for search functions. You can use other things, like I've used like Google AdSense, and there's been other things that Google has failed that have, that they've used, like Hangouts and. Uh, what was that Google Glass thing and uh, mm. other various things? But yeah, the streaming service that they try to use, which had its own uh, platform with various games on it, um, has got a search function added after fifteen or sixteen months. Uh, what do you think? Well, I'm sure that'll be useful to the nine people that are still using <laughs> Google Stadia. Yeah, yeah. That's, I remember because I, I messaged you, didn't I? I said, "Hey, they've added like a added a search function." It was the way they. It, it was. Because I watched uh, Yong Yi's video on it as well, and he was kind of like taking. Because this this isn't like a sort of hey, let's analyze the the meaning of this or whatever. It's like okay, all right, you added a search function to your platform that should have had one at launch. You know, it it's it's something to kind of it's it's okay to take the Mickey or take the piss out of Google for this because it's just ironic that they're most known for that, but. A platform which could kind of use a search function didn't have one. So, yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff. But as you said, the five or ten people that still use it um, will be happy about that, mm-hmm. I suppose. So, yeah, but it, it was the way they announced it on Twitter of like, hey, we got a new like search function feature and acting like it's like the biggest deal in the world. And then all the comments were just people taking the piss out of them. I, I, I think rightfully so. Um, so... Yeah, enjoy that, those those people that use it. I do have a couple of friends that did sign up and use it, and of course I've talked about my experience of it before. Uh and they said like, Hey, yeah, it's not it's like not great and they kinda stopped using it after after a couple of months. So um there we go. Google Stadia search function uh coming to the platform. So there's that. Uh, let's finish off with a uh, question we've got here from Robbie. Uh if you want to send in your thoughts, feelings, questions, comments, whatever about anything that we've mentioned or to just get in contact with entertainment talk uh matthew at entertainment talk.org twitter etalk uk there's a contact page and information in your show notes robbie says so the two of you have talked uh, about the different subscription services that playstation and xbox offer what do you think playstation xbox and nintendo should offer uh well you know as we've mentioned over the last like probably a year or so maybe six months to a year or so the games of gold have been quite dire you know there's been the odd like good game here and there there was little nightmares back in i think january lego batman is part of i think this month's games with gold or this upcoming month's games with gold um but other than that it's been very sort of just 
m- a lot more missed than than hit. I think it's it's fair to say. Uh, yeah, I think they should kind of. You've got two options with games with gold. You can either just like stop offering people games, which does devalue the service a little bit. But then again, they're trying to put more emphasis on Game Pass. Either do that, or start offering you know better critically acclaimed games. Because uh, you know whether you like a game or not is is subjective. But when an overwhelming majority of your audience. Uh, the people that subscribe to your service, or maybe even not, are saying that they think the games have been pretty piss poor over the last year or so. That should give you an indication of the quality of games that you're putting on that service. Uh, Game Pass, I think, you know, has been thriving, been doing very well. I think Xbox needs to find a way of, okay, either offer better games with gold or don't do it. And then, you know, in terms of the discounts and that sort of thing... If you kind of move like the discounts and the online plans that sort of thing into Game Pass, but then promoted it more the Game Pass Ultimate system as opposed to Game Pass itself, because Ultimate is I think more expensive. Um, I think that's a better way to do that. I think for PlayStation, you know, PS Plus is relatively good. They've come out with some good games. I just personally would like to see them include more VR games because I'm a VR user and would like to play more of those games based off the you know uh, subscription service that i use uh online for playstation is pretty good you know at least in terms of the the games that i play and that sort of thing i don't use like playstation messages or party that kind of thing i just use in-game chat um playstation now is is doing some interesting things i think uh but could use i don't know like you got you got to sort this ps3 thing out eventually or, or something, but I, th- I think the main one that needs a bit of a change is uh, games with gold. In terms of Nintendo, I've not paid any attention to what they've done with um, the online. Is it a- NES games or SNES games? I can't even remember which ones it was. It might it might even be both at this point. Uh, I've not paid attention to that for quite some time, and I've not seen any updates for that, so I'm not sure what they're doing there. But yeah, there's like old Mario and Zelda games they could maybe offer. You know, if they kind of treat it like a games with gold PS Plus sort of situation. They could possibly do that. Uh, but what do you think these companies should do, Robert? Uh, it's hard telling. I mean, with uh, with with uh, Microsoft, they have their uh, um, games with gold, which aren't very great. But then they have the subscription service for Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have Ultimate, you get those games anyway. And there's tons of games that uh, come to Game Pass because Microsoft owns the studios and they hit that first. Um, plus, they've got their partnership with EA. Um, so there's there's tons of value in the Game Pass. Not so much with just the gold, but if you want the online stuff, you know, it's there. Um, but they've got, what, like 26 million subscriptions for Game Pass between the, the regular and the ultimate? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, they're doing right by Game Pass. Not great with games with gold, but I think that's just because they put so much of their stuff on Game Pass that you really can't do like the the high end stuff on gold anymore. Mm. Uh Sony tends to do much better with those games. I haven't looked and seen what the uh the PS Plus games are. I don't even think that's been announced yet, has it? Cuz I didn't remember seeing anything about it. I don't remember seeing it. No. So I mean, they talk about the games that are free for the month that you can play, but not the actual, you know, past games. Um Nintendo, I just I have a Switch. I just never use it. I, I haven't don't used know one why. in a while. Yeah. Yeah, mine's but... just sitting there collecting dust. 
Mm-hmm. I have games that I intend to play on it. I just am in the middle of playing other things because you know I've only got one pair of hands that I can play. I can only play one thing at a time. So yeah, uh, but yeah, as I said, I'm in the middle of playing like other games and stuff because I wanted to go back and finish off like Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, but I'm not using my uh, boomerang thing at the moment because I'm in the middle of playing Soulstorm, which I've been playing for like a few weeks. So actually, a month now. Yeah, it's April. Uh, or almost a month. It was April sixth when it when it came out. Entertainment Talks uh, fifth anniversary. Uh, and now it's the f- the fourth of uh, May. Um, so I've been playing that for almost like a month, and then I've got COD and everything, which obviously I don't need to to rent because I own that. And then Last of Us, which I own as well. So once I finish up all that stuff, I will go back to Boomerang and try and like rent, you know, like Mass Effect and uh, the Super Mario Collection and stuff, and then kind of try and like finish those games off. Um, Nintendo itself has just been a little bit quiet recently with with releases. I know Animal Crossing did very very well, but that was over a year ago. Uh, so I I don't know when when I get finished with some of my games, I'll go back to seeing like what's actually on Switch for me to play. So uh, that's pretty much everything. That's everything that we've got for this episode. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, yeah. In the meantime, you can find everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org, TV, video games, films, and Man United podcast. So please check out all of those if you can. Uh, the game didn't happen Sunday because of the protest, but uh, there should be one on Thursday against Roma. So uh, we'll see what happens there, um, and then see if there's any other protests or whatever. We'll see. So, uh, but check out everything that we do entertainmenttalk.org if you want to support the podcast and entertainment talk. That would be great. You can either listen to more of our episodes, which would be good, uh, or you can uh, use word of mouth social media. Uh, let people know about the website and us on podcast platforms so that they know uh, where to go to listen to our content. Uh, Patreon, $1 or $3 level tiers, please consider using those as well. Add free podcast and review uh, tiers and options. Check that out as well. Uh, David, if you want to check out what he's doing, uh, TV and film news, Geek Town Radio, geektown.co.uk, check out all that as well. Uh, Bex is streaming daily pretty much over on Twitch. Trista Bytes, Trista B-Y-T-E-S. Go and give her a follow over there. I also stream on Twitch as well. Um, <coughs> excuse me, eTalk UK um, on Twitch for that. Uh, so follow me on there for to see me play video games live. And if you miss the uh, streams, they'll be archived later on YouTube. Entertainment Talk Plays is up to date currently at the moment. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>